0: I remember being about seven or eight years old, and I was roaming the neighborhood, and there was a bowling alley just a couple blocks away from where I lived, and I wandered into that bowling alley, probably to enjoy the air conditioning on a hot summer day, and I was surprised to find my sisters there, and they were bowling with some friends, and I knew they did not have the means to be at that bowling alley spending money to be able to bowl and get the snacks that they had. And so I investigated and I went to my two older sisters and said, you know, what's going on here? Where'd you get the money? And they didn't want to answer me. And finally I said, well, I'm going home and I'm going to tell mom and dad, you got a lot of money that you're spending down here at the bowling alley. And then they had no choice. And so they let me in on the little secret. That was a big mistake and they told me that they had discovered the budget envelopes where my mom carefully budgeted the money for all the main expenses, and they told me what dresser drawer it was in at home, and I didn't know as a little guy really the value of the different increments of money, but money's money and and brings you happiness, right? So so I went home, and sure enough, I opened that dresser door, and, and there were those envelopes, and I just started pulling some money out of different different sections there and put them down in my jean pocket and, and I was pretty sure at that point I was independently wealthy that I was set for life and so I made the two-block walk to the corner store and I bought a few little treasures and and bought some candy and still had a wide left and, and I decided to celebrate the day before there had been a big rainstorm and it had at a construction site formed this huge puddle at least 30 foot long and and I I decided to take my hand-me-down, hand-me-down, hand-me-down bike, this little bike, and, and, and ride through it. And, and so so I pedaled as fast as I could. I hit that puddle, and I was on pretty good till I like got about halfway. Bam, down I went. I was covered with mud. Bike was covered with mud. So I made my way back home. My mom saw me coming through the backyard, and she said, you use the cellar steps. You go right down to the basement. That's where the washer and dryer was, and you take your clothes off right there. And I was afraid and said yes indeed and so you know I I took my clothes off and went to get cleaned up but there was a problem I forgot that I had my whole life savings in in my pants pocket and you know what moms do before they put something in the washer they check the pockets boy was was that a sad moment (laughs) and so when my dad got home there was an investigation and he wanted to know where that money came from. I'm pretty sure he knew where that money came from. I had a pathetic story. I told him my best friend Roy and I were walking down the block and a kid in front of us that we had never seen before, the money dropped out of his pocket. So we called out to him, hey, your money dropped out of your pocket, but he started running fast and we started running. He thought we were chasing and we couldn't catch him, and so, so my dad said, I'm gonna go down the block and I'm gonna talk to your friend Roy and just see what his story is. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I could have just thrown up right then. (laughs) I knew there was no hope, no phones to text, hey Roy, split half my money with you if. (laughs) So my dad came back and he knew the story was gonna be false. And boy, did I get some severe consequences, and my sisters. I think it was about 10 years till they talked to me again. (laughs) We were banished to our separate rooms, not able to communicate with each other at all, though we cheated a little. Only were able to leave our rooms for one whole week to eat a meal, or our meals. And I can't remember, I need to call my sister and ask whether we were allowed to talk at meals. I kind of think we weren't, but I just remember that sick feeling knowing I had been caught, that I had blown it big time. Wondering how that was gonna affect my relationship with my parents, wondering what the consequences would be, wondering what my future was gonna look like, and, and I remember my dad on a couple occasions when, because I made more than one big mistake in my childhood. I just remember him saying at times, I, you know, I can forgive you, but we got trust issues now. I just don't know if I can trust you. And I remember how that felt. It was just a different feeling. And I think we've all experienced making bad decisions that leave us feeling like, like we've gotten gut punched and, and, and we have those feelings of guilt and shame and, and the fear of consequences. Suddenly, everything changes and we wish it could be different, and we hate how we feel. And I'm sure there's things you can think about right now, maybe that happened last night, maybe this past week, maybe 10 years ago. In eternity past, the Trinity the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit related to each other in perfect harmony. They they had exactly the same values and purpose and mission and they had this incredible perfect relationship and, and they hatched this plan to to, to create the human race and, and first they created Adam and then Eve and and Adam and Eve functioned in, in in perfect relationship, in a perfect environment, and, and they were surrounded by God's creation and beautiful animals, big animals, and the big animals didn't try to eat them, which which was really nice, and and, and weeds and thistles and thorns didn't invade their gardens. It was Beautiful, and I, I think that's what we all long for in our hearts. We, we desire a perfect love relationship, and, and to be able to enjoy that relationship in a, in a perfect setting. And, and from the very beginning, that was God's plan for all of us. And then Satan slithered into the scene, and he told a different story A twisted story and first he convinced Eve and then Adam that God wasn't enough that in some way God was holding out on them and and Eve responded no and you know we were able to to eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden except just this one tree and God made it clear don't eat don't even touch it if you do you will die and Satan counters in verse four and five. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And, and right then in there, innocence, a, a perfect relationship, freedom. A clear conscience hung in the balance As Eve tried to process God's clear instruction and Satan's enticing spin on his truth, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were open and they were suddenly they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And we see here the worst decision of all time resulted in the most painful gut punch ever. Ever, Everything changed. A wave of putrid sin washed over them, washed over all of God's creation. And for the first time, Adam and Eve felt shame. They felt guilt. They felt fear. And they hid from each other. Verse eight, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. I don't think we can fully comprehend how devastated Adam and Eve were feeling in this moment. Like me and the lame story I told my father, they try to explain what went wrong. They try to shift the blame. First Adam, he kind of throws God under the bus. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And then Eve, you know, the, the first, the devil made me do it kind of thought. The serpent deceived me, that's why I ate it. And, and this is what sin does to relationships. This is what sin has done to relationships that we're involved in, even today. What does sin do? We, we hide from each other. We hide from God and God informs them that their sin is gonna have a huge negative impact on life as they've known it. They, they, they've, pregnancy will be difficult, childbirth will be painful. Women, do I get an amen on that? <laughs> there would be strife in the relationship that they didn't know before. There would be controlling issues, a fight for control. The ground would be cursed, and Adam is, was told he would struggle to provide the basics, and then there's this new thing that entered the picture, and that was death. That was now part of their reality. And God banished them from the paradise, and the, those waves of sin continued to wash over mankind, and, and their first son, Cain murdered their second son Abel, and sin and rebellion continued to spread, and it got so bad that God judged mankind with a flood. Only eight were spared, and from those eight, eventually Jesus was born. And there's a hint, even in that desperate moment in the garden, a moment for Adam and Eve to to just get a glimpse of hope and restoration in Genesis 3:15 He will strike your head and you will strike his heel God explaining to the serpent <laughs> that there was going to be continual conflict between his offspring and Eve's offspring and that he would bruise the heel of her offspring but his head would eventually be crushed and this leads us to the second section here if you're following along in your sermon guide. And I so encourage you to work through the questions this week with your life group, or your, 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 your loved ones, or on your own. Just, just work through. There's just so many practical steps that, that you can take as a follow-up to, to what I'm sharing here briefly today. Our difficult relation mission. Our Difficult relationship mission. Our world, far from Jesus, continues doing evil, and the darkness can be oppressive at times. Doing relationships right, getting it right, doing this hard mission is so very, very difficult because the same gut punch of sin that that impacted Adam and Eve landed a solid blow on every one of us. Romans 5.12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone's sin, we know we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So not only are we stuck living in a fallen, oppressive, dark world, but our own human nature, our very core, constantly tries to pull us away from God's purposes, away from selflessness into selfishness. And just like with Adam and Eve, it affects every one of our relationships. We're all broken. We are all broken every one of us seated here today we are broken and it has impacted it has hurt us being able to do relationships the way god has called us to do them fear tries to own us, and we hide from God. Our, our communication with him breaks down. We resist that conversation. We don't talk to him. We, we avoid his word because we don't want to hear that truth. We distance ourselves from the community of believers because we don't want to hear God's truth through them. We run to alternatives to God. We find the idol of choice. We stop trusting God's simple, clear truth and grow cynical. We tolerate sin. (laughs) We tolerate sin. We tolerate sin in our lives. And it paralyzes us. And it infects the relationships around us. So we hide from God. Just like like Adam and Eve did, because of shame and guilt, because of fear, we hide from each other, we, we refuse to forgive, or, we're not vulnerable, we don't let those that we love know what's going on deep inside of us, we put other pursuits above those that we love, we shift blame, we quickly become defensive, we give up on those. That we should love that Jesus died for and declare there is no hope. <laughs> this is what sin does. Walls begin to go up, and the intimacy in our relationships slowly dies. And even with all this being true, God doesn't hold back from asking us to do relationships, all relationships among the community of believers in supernatural God-empowered ways that pierce through the darkness and end up pointing people to hope, to restoration, to the gospel, to do relationships, marriage relationships, relationships with those that we love, that we're close to, with our dearest friends, with fellow believers, that we do them in ways that are not humanly explainable. And in the process, shout the reality, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our impossible, difficult mission And we're all broken, and we've all blown it. In week one, we looked at Ephesians 5. We explored the, the big cause, the big mission that God has for our marriages. And, 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 and it says there that, that we, as we sacrifice, as husbands sacrifice themselves for their wives, as, as wives and husbands mutually submit to one another, that, that, that we are shouting to the world how much God loves them, that he has sacrificed for them, that he has died for them. It gives reality. An object lesson to that truth. And we saw from that same passage that through the mystery of, of, of a husband and wife becoming one, the union in marriage, that we can illustrate to the world the oneness that they can enjoy with God. But as we said then, and I say now, it's not just for marriage. community of believers. Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you trusted him? Have you surrendered to him? Are you on that mission to please him? To follow him? Are you a follower of Jesus? Then all of the relationships that you are involved in, that we are involved in in the community of believers should show such an incredible Unity (laughs) that everyone looking in says, that makes no sense. That is unexplainable apart from something much greater than what we can produce. All our relationships should point to Jesus. In John chapter 17, starting at verse 20, Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As he's praying to his father, as you are in me, father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, (laughs) so that the world so that the world will believe that you sent me that's a pretty big ask a pretty big declaration that we're being called to declare through relationships so that the world will believe that you sent me I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one I am in them you are in me may they experience such perfect unity Perfect unity, may that be part of the reality of the community of believers, of those original disciples, those early Christians and all who believe on Jesus because of their message, that's you and me. May we experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This is the big mission that every one of our relationships has been singled out to accomplish. A unity in our relationships that shout to the world, what? Jesus was sent from God. That he was the son of God, that he was sent from God. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a prophet. He was the son of God, sent from God. How we do relationships declares that truth. And that God loves them with the same love that he has for his son Jesus. The last section here. My hope cries, hope and restoration. Paradise restored. (laughs) The book of Revelation, the, 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 the end of the story, we looked at the beginning of the story in Genesis, the, the end of the story in Revelation, it, it is filled with a lot about God's judgment against those who reject him, but, but it's not the main theme. The end of the story takes us full circle from paradise lost to paradise restored. It, it's, about, it's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about his coming glory. And because it's about Jesus and and who he is and the coming glory and paradise restored, there's 14 big celebrations throughout this book of Revelation, the last chapter, the end of the story. And why not? Because we see salvation being fully realized. We see Satan and evil shut down forever. We see righteousness and justice prevail. Oh, how we would love to see righteousness and justice prevail in our experiences, in our world. We see love win. We see relationships restored. And the last of of these 14 jubilant celebrations connects us to what is the culmination of human history as, as we know it today. It says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to God. And this is after a description of of that 14th big celebration in heaven. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. You don't want to miss this wedding feast that centers on the Lamb, that's Jesus. Jesus and on his bride, that's the church. We are the bride of Christ. This feast, this celebration that John's getting a glimpse into the future to see will usher in a whole new forever future, a future, a glorious future. You know, at the end of the story, At the end of the story, folks, and we need to draw strength from this. We need to use this for motivation in how we do relationships and how we're willing to sacrifice today to accomplish God's mission of shouting the gospel. At the end of the story, every follower of Jesus will find their hope fulfilled. Every follower of Jesus Christ will find restoration, live today in that reality Hope and restoration. Hope and restoration. God can take such tangled messes and bring hope and restoration. They asked Christy Soleri to to come and share with us right now her story of of hope and restoration. And uh, come on up here. I... uh, (laughs) Got to know her early on. Uh, Her mom and dad are Jerry and Karen Higley, Mm -hmm. which alone makes you pretty special. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a whole lot of more things that God's done and how he views you that makes you so special. I saw this girl when she was just born in the general hospital, I believe. (laughs) Uh, Went in and checked her out. And I watched her grow up, and I... Remember at 12 years old, you ran away from home. I think it was your first time. Mm-hmm. I remember late at night walking the streets of and knocking on doors, and some people telling me some pretty good lies to keep you hidden. I got close, I found out. I think you were in a construction trailer maybe at that time. Mm-hmm. You were smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> Still are, I'm sure. Try to find me, Ken, try to find me. <laughs> But it's been so beautiful. I got to do your wedding almost 20 years ago on Valentine's Day in 2003. About ready to celebrate their 20th. God is good. God is good. Hope and restoration. Tell us a little bit about your story.
1: Hey Church, thanks for having me. So um, I grew up in a Christian home obviously, right? You heard my, my, who my parents are, so you know that's gonna be a true story. Um, and they were in ministry, right? So so I was the oldest of three girls. I accepted Jesus at an early age. I knew him. I was on fire for God. I had a heart for people, and I wanted people to know Jesus, um, and I wanted to be a light, and I wanted to be a difference maker. That that was ingrained in me from, from an early age, and then I hit my teenage years, and and everything Uh, changed. Those were really, really dark years. I think probably some of you may have walked with my family during those times and they were filled with with chaos and destruction and it's where a large part of my my testimony comes in. Um, So kind of to summarize some of that I think I'd say I just hardcore rebelled against everything that I knew. Um, I've rebelled against my parents, I've rebelled against God and Satan really lied to me. He got a, a stronghold, a foothold in, in my life. And, and we all know in here, right? It's his mission to kill, to, kill, to steal, destroy. And that's what he did for, for a while. Um, I made a series of unhealthy and unsafe choices that made life really, really hard for me and the relationships, the people in my life, the people who loved me. In a testimony my mom gave, um, I don't know, I mean, maybe with like a year ago or something, here on the stage, like I remember watching that and she described those years as a wrecking ball in our family and, and I remember hearing that and saying like, yeah, wow, that's a very accurate description. Like I personally was was wrecked um, and it wrecked the people around me and those relationships um and and it was just wreckage it was wreckage and and now I know that God was standing with us and with me in in the trenches for what were really dark times but I didn't feel that then um and I felt very alone and I felt very unloved and I think part of me you know as just a teenager like I I thought I think part of that I was invincible right um and I think there was a part of that too that like I I just didn't care because I was so angry and I was so mad at God about so many things. And I didn't think or care about the consequences. And then like the selfish part that, that you talked about, Ken. I mean, like I, I was like, these are my decisions, right? Like these are my actions. It's not impacting anybody else. It's like my story. So live, leave me alone. Like I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna do that how I wanna do it. And I remember I remember thinking that and looking back when you talk about self and just blinders removed I got that so wrong because my my actions just had ripple effects to all of my relationships Um, and and they hurt so many people so I'll share some specific things from those years but first I want to fast forward to today Um, today people knowing me today would not wildly gasped. They, they couldn't guess that that was a story of my life, right? And that's the power of redemption and restoration. And so today I stand here as a life completely changed by Christ. I'm a trophy of God's grace. Um, he's redeemed and restored my story. Uh, he's healed the darkest and most broken places of my heart in ways I never thought could be possible. So sometimes like, you know, worshiping and listening to God, like I will just start crying and people probably think, Oh my gosh, that lady needs Jesus. And it's like, it's because, like I have Jesus. And like the story and the things that he has done in my life are wild. Um, and 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 beyond what I thought could be possible. So he's restored broken relationships that are now fully healed, like remarkable, healthy relationships. And when I reflect on like all that he's done and all that he's done, I am so incredibly grateful. I'm so grateful. So I want to share my story with you to remind you that there is always hope. So to go back to that testimony, the dark years I referenced, some of that story is ran away from home a number of times. God's also d- done a, like a really awesome job of like, I don't remember certain things of my story because like that's I think a part of the healing that's in there. Um, three that I could specifically remember, one was that trailer, yeah. Um, and then and then there may have been more, but it ranged from a couple of days to several weeks. I was destructive, I had toxic relationships. I think it's accurate to say, like, I probably became like a menace to my family. Um, I wouldn't go to school. I wasn't interested in, in, in studies. Didn't care about that. Uh, I got in trouble with the law. I took my dad's car, he has a great story about that, if you ever wanna to talk to him, he loves to tell that, without his permission or my driver's license. Guys, kids, don't, don't do that. Um, and and so I got turned in, I got pulled over by the police. Um, kind of second highlight of the whole trouble with the law, I was involved in a really bad fight where someone got really, really hurt. Um, and that was because of this like explosive a- anger and this like. Demand for respect that I carried at that time. And so I could have faced some really serious consequences and one would have hoped that that would have been the turning point in my, in my story, but it wasn't. And what ended up being the turning point um, and what God would use to draw me back to him was the thing that many people said was one of the worst things that could have happened to me. So, I mean, right there, God uses anything and you don't know what that's gonna be. I got pregnant at 16 and that was hard and it rocked my family. Um, and, and after the news break, uh, broke, uh, my parents trying to get me help planned to send me to some kind of boarding school for pregnant girls. I visited that place. I had nightmares about that place. I was like, I, there's no way. There's no way that I'm going there. And so I decided for what was the, kind of the final time of me running away, like I'm going to go to New York City. So I ran away, and this was the longest duration for a couple of weeks. Um, and and I lived in the Bronx, New York, for for a while. I went with somebody I thought was trustworthy, who turned out to be a very dangerous and a very abusive person. They made it clear their power, and I had been like around like shady people, but this this guy kind of trumped that. Um, and and they made it clear like their power, and they made it clear their connections, and there was this like unspoken. But like, understood message of like, know who I am, like, you could easily disappear, like, and, and really tried to instill fear. And so there were days, you know, that I went without food. I'm pregnant at this point. That's not good. I didn't have money. Like I didn't. Nobody knew where I was. Even the people who knew that I had left, um, they didn't know what that situation had unfolded to be. Um, and so then that that person had left for a couple of days. Um, this this dangerous person, and then that became my opportunity to get out. So I ended up being able to get in contact with a family member of somebody that I was close to back home. They lived in Manhattan, and she said she'd come for me. So when I called her from a payphone to tell her you know, where I was, I gave her the street intersection that I was close to, and at least I thought I did. So, so I had asked somebody the name, like, hey, what's the name of this intersecting street to this long main street that I was on? And it was the wrong intersecting street. And so the main street that I was on was a street that ran through the, the entire, br- And there was a median that divided the road. So it made finding me a really, really difficult task, um, as as Ken could attest to. Um, And so with, with no cell phone or way to make contact right then, I mean, like I stood at the curb with my belongings for hours, like waiting for her to come, praying and hoping that she would come. And that woman, I mean, when I think about what God has done, and how he used her, like that woman walked that main street searching for me until she found me, and it took hours, but she never gave up. I mean, isn't that what God does for us, right? And so he used her to rescue me from that awful situation. I remember being hungry, and she fed me, um, and for the first time in what felt like a really long time, like I I felt safe again. Um, And so I stayed in in New York for a while, and God brought another person into the story to help make connection back with my family. And that started a road to conversation and healing and and marked the beginning of what would become a fully restored relationship with my family. I had finally started to have a change in heart. My parents welcomed me back home, like the prodigal daughter returning. And and after I was home, I remember sitting with my dad in the backyard just sobbing and, and feeling like um it broken it, just realizing the gravity of my situation and the decisions and that i had nothing to offer my my son But God used all of that to bring me back to him. And from there, he changed everything. He redeemed and restored it all just piece by piece. And and that was after I made the choice to surrender. Um, And and he helped me forgive myself and others. I asked for forgiveness. I embraced his grace. He started working. He redeemed every part of my story. And then he did the same thing with my relationships, with my entire family. You know, Today, we're all very close on it. We're loving friends family. They're they're my best friends. Some of my best friends were all trophies of God's grace. And God used my son to change my story. Um, Everything changed becoming his mom. I got serious about school. I went on to graduate with honors. I have a successful career. My son's father and I, who were high school sweethearts, we've been together ever since. Like, that's crazy. Right, uh, God has written another beautiful story there, and there's cords of redemption and restoration and hope that are woven through that. And by the grace of God, like we're happily married, we're soon to be celebrating 20 years of marriage. We have two beautiful kids, our son that I talked about, and and a daughter. And like the chances of that and the odds against us uh, being so young, it's just another beautiful example of God making beauty from ashes. So you know, that's like when they were like, "Give your testimony." I'm like, "Oh my." gosh, like I could be here for days, right? Like so a high level. But but I want to close with one of the things that I said earlier. Like I shared my story to remind you that there is always hope. There's always hope. Um, and hope because God can do anything. He's the God of miracles and he's a way maker. Nothing is too hard for him. So whatever you're going through, don't give up. Don't lose the faith. And also don't put God in a box on on the limits and give him limits on what you think he can do and how he might choose to restore you or relationships in your life. No one is ever too far gone from God's reach. There's nothing that God can't redeem and restore. Jesus' blood shed on the cross for our sin, it covers it all. It covers it all. Everything. It covers it all. Um, He loves you, each one of us, unconditionally and despite the darkest parts of our story. He writes incredible stories that become testimonies that then he uses for his kingdom and his glory because he uses it all. He uses it all, every part of our story, and he makes beauty from ashes. So I'm just praying that those are truths that speak to your hearts today, whether that's for your own personal story or if it's for someone that you know. Either way, just know that God isn't done writing your story, those stories. right? He he just will continue to write write those stories. Put your eyes on Jesus and just prayerfully surrender um, and have faith in the waiting. So that's my message. Thanks for having me.
0: As the team that was talking about this series got together from time to time, our Our goal today was that every person would know, no matter where you're at in your relationships, that there is always hope, and there's always redemption, there's always restoration. We are the bride of Christ, it says in Revelation 19.8, the bride, she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear because of Jesus, because of his shed blood. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people and our ability to do good deeds is solely because of our connection to Jesus. Nothing that we could ever do or accomplish. It's about redemption, it's about shed blood, it's about the cross. But notice here the fine linens here equal the bride's preparations, the the good deeds of the bride, And that speaks of a time that we're in right now. We are the bride waiting for the groom to arrive, often unannounced, (laughs) and the bride would be preparing and preparing and preparing, getting the gown ready, not knowing what the day was in ancient Jewish times. And then she would often hear instruments playing and suddenly it was gonna happen, it was that day. And she was ready because she was prepared. And we're in that preparation stage, and the biggest way that we can prepare and bring glory and honor to God is by the way we do relationships. He's going to come in a split second. There'll be a rapture, and we will be with Him, and we will be in the celebration, folks. I've spoken in the past of my my first uh, granddaughter, Raya, and she was hanging out with Nana. <laughs> And Papa, this past week for a whole evening, and she spent a lot of time in my lap that night, and we had a lot of fun. And Kelly texted me the next day that her first words when she woke up that next morning was "Papa, so fun." <laughs> Papa, so fun. Man, did that ever touch my heart? <laughs> but I think about. Now that touched my heart and I think about how I prepare myself as Christ's bride and how I do relationships on this earth brings him even a greater joy as we communicate through our conduct that God is so fun, God is so good, God is so loving. No matter how difficult your current relationships are, right now, God wants to bring you hope and restoration. And the balls in your court, in Revelation 3.20, in a letter written to the church of Laodicea has grown lukewarm, got caught up in all kinds of stuff that didn't matter, that robbed them of their love for God. And yet Jesus is there, as, as that friend of the family was relentless in tracking Christy down. <laughs> he is relentless and he is knocking on the door and he says if you hear my voice and open the door I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends that's about restoration that's about a restored relationship don't let sin, don't let guilt, don't let shame keep you hiding from God and from those that you love. To close off today, I want you to be thinking through two statements. The first one is, and are you ready to declare, I will not hide from God. I will not hide from God, no matter how broken things are. I will run to him to receive forgiveness, to allow him to restore me are you ready to say that to God today, even in the midst of a very difficult relationship? I will not hide from God. Can we say that together? I will not hide from God. And the second declaration: the walls in our court. Jesus is knocking. <laughs> he wants to restore. <laughs> and we need to declare: I will not hide from those I love. I will share my heart with them. I will have the hard talks. And as I do, intimacy will grow. I will not hide from those I love. Let's say that together. I will not hide from those I love. We can't do that on our own. In Romans 8, verse 11, Pastor Daryl shared from this passage last week, the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And it's in the power of God that we invite Jesus in and allow him to bring hope and restoration. Will we do that together? I'm gonna to ask us to stand and ask Daryl to come up. Daryl's done such a beautiful job of leading a small team through this series. And... Uh, He's just going to pray uh, over us. Let's stand together uh, just to bring this to a conclusion.
2: Let's pray, church. God, you are an amazing God who began everything perfect, and even though sin entered the world, you're all about restoration. Lord, you want us to be in a relationship with you and have healthy relationships with others. So God, we We'll choose to say that we will not hide from you. We will not hide from those around us. God, we want to be committed to being as healthy as we can. And Lord, we ask that you just would bless the people in this room, the people that are hearing this message, that by your Holy Spirit and your power, you would work in and through us for your good to make us healthy people who choose to leave selfless ways behind. And to pick up a selfless way of life that honors you, that puts a smile on your face for your glory. And Lord, we know it's going to be messy and it is going to be yucky at times, but God, you never leave us. You invite us in and you will never leave us. Help us hold on to that promise today. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful for you. I ask that you bless everybody here Lord, in a rich and powerful way this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving, that you would just reveal yourself in new and fresh ways. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for who you are and your beautiful message of restoration. It is in the powerful name of Jesus and all the church says, amen, amen.
0: If you told God today, I will not hide from you, and I'm gonna stop hiding from those that I love. It's gonna be a very difficult journey. <laughs> Please enlist the help of Christians that can come alongside of you. Don't try to do this on your own. And now Daryl and I would love to just, together, wish you, Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. (laughs)